Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's a terrible call. That is a terrible call. A nice turnaround of events following a three-game losing streak as Boston Celtics emerge victorious against the New Orleans Pelicans. Jason Tatum having himself a career night in the process, so much so that he didn't even need to step foot on the court for the fourth quarter. I'm your host, Adam Taylor, joined by my boy, Justin Trombino, and today we're joined by Preston Ellis, who's a sports writer for Bleacher Report NBA, and he also covers the Pelicans for SB Nation. Thanks for joining us today, Preston. I can't remember the SB Nation name for the Pelicans, but I'm sure you can tell us. How are you doing today, bro? I'm great. Uh, the Bird Rights. Uh, did you say his last name is Trambina? That is an awesome name. Trambino. <laughs> Trambino. <laughs> That's pretty cool, man. It sounds like you'd, you'd be the, the subject of an Italian hit. <laughs> 100% Italian, man. <laughs> What's going on, fellas? We're doing well, doing well. All the better because this losing streak got snapped. But the first thing I want to point out is you guys, as the Pelicans team, looked a little bit jaded. I'd watched the game you played against New York the night before, which was quite a bruising game. And you were really doing well from deep. You were moving the ball around a lot against the Knicks, um, finding your spots. Lonzo Ball was going off from deep. And in this game, it felt like you just couldn't get that that momentum again, the tired legs kind of caught up with you. Lonzo's shot was hitting the front of the rim, so maybe his legs were tired. Is that what you saw watching it as well, following that Knicks game? Yeah, Nancy uh, Lieberman, uh, one of the voices of Fox Sports uh, New Orleans, called it a scheduled loss. Uh, it's something that the NBA really needs to work on, whether by elongating the season or just spreading out the games in some fashion. This was the sixth game the Pelicans had played in their last eight nights. And, of course, you just mentioned they played the New York Knicks the night before. So three games in four nights is a difficult slate. As a result of that, uh, Brandon Ingram played 37 minutes, I think, against the Knicks. And you had five of the Pelicans' key contributors not in this game. You had Zion out. You had J.J. Redick out. You had Drew Holiday out. You had Kenrich Williams out. But arguably the most important Pelican this year has been Derek Favors. When he's on the floor, the Pelicans are a top 10 defensive team. When he's not on the floor, uh, I'm doing this from memory, I think they're 27th in the NBA. And of course, you saw that reflected last night. Uh, Some very uncharacteristic sloppy turnovers, um, especially in transition against the Celtics. And the Pelicans executed a bit of a zone throughout the game, which was a bit puzzling. It's not something that they usually default to. But the Celtics just moved the ball so fluidly they were just able to pick the defense apart again and again and as a result you could see uh, Jason Tatum got to the to the glass at will Uh, I think he probably uh, got to the cup probably about eight or nine times I think I saw by by my respect and also uh, from deep he was lighting it up from three-point range so not only were the the Pelicans really sloppy but the Celtics just looked really really crisp offensively. They were using Daniel Tice and Jason Tatum in the pick and roll pretty much throughout the entire game, and it was causing Jackson Hayes no ends of problems. I went back and watched some game tape this morning just to see how Jason Tatum was able to get so open so many times. And the majority of the time was that whoever was guarding him, which Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, Lonzo Ball, all took turns of trying to guard him. They were all going under the screen, which was allowing Tatum to put the Jets on a little bit. And maybe fresher legs might have been able to keep up with him or stay in front of him. But by doing that, he was forcing Hayes to kind of backpedal and 
just try and get the shot altered. And then obviously Tatum this year has been working quite a lot on the way he can, not Eurostep, but that sort of attack to the basket, which allows him to re- reposition his body as he's driving. So that was one of the key factors that I found. It was that that pick and roll was just being brutal all over the court. And as I say, I, I do honestly believe fresher legs would have probably stayed in front of him a little bit better. And as you mentioned, Derek Favors was a big loss, probably on the offensive end as well. As you saw with Hayes, he was having his way down low against the Celtics. So Derek Favors could have really contributed to, to the score and probably would have changed at least the scoreline of the game quite dramatically. Yeah, you were, you were right in your assessment of the pick and roll, uh, just destroying the Pelicans, whether it be Jackson Hayes, Brandon Ingram, or Jaleel Okafor. Everybody was just struggling last night. The thing that is disappointing as a Pelicans uh, fan isn't, isn't so much the execution or the lack thereof on the Pelicans' part as it was uh, during our 13-game losing streak. The Pelicans really struggled to communicate, and there was a lot of open floor opportunities and uh, half-court opportunities where Pelicans just weren't talking to one another, and so there were missed assignments. There were guys left open. Even Jason Tatum at moments uh, had, had a wide-open view of the court from either the corner, so he was either able to take one of his nine three-point attempts. He hit six of them, most of them wide open. Or like you said, Jason Tatum with a full head of steam was just devastating because he's got that Euro. He can finish with both hands around pretty much anybody the Pelicans were able to throw at him. So yeah, it it was a perfect storm of ineptitude on the Pelicans part. And also, uh, like you said, Daniel Tice and Jason Tatum were just operating really, really well in the pick and roll. Justin, what did you see? And did you see anything different? Did you see anything else that was happening on the court that uh, either the Celtics were utilizing or the Pelicans were struggling to, to kind of spot and match up with? No, I think you guys hit everything that they did. And I'd like to reemphasize how they were uh, moving the ball so well and crisp. Um, they were really finding the open man in in between the lack of defense on the Pelicans' part, especially in the paint. And I think it helped out a lot, especially considering how they weren't doing that too well their last few games. And then we move on to look at like, Lonzo Ball. So Lonzo, when he came over from the Lakers, was it? was kind of a filler member. I mean, I'm not going to be disrespectful to him because he's still young. He's still a really good point guard in my eyes. His defense is, is what he's known for. But he watching him against the Knicks, this game he didn't really give himself a good account of himself. But against the Knicks, he was a floor general and he looked like he's really settled into life in New Orleans. What's it been like watching him game in, game out? Well, a good Lonzo Ball is an aggressive Lonzo Ball, and a good Lonzo Ball is a guy who who penetrates, who who breaks down the half court defense. Um, too often last night, and too often in general, we see him settle for those three point shots, those step back jumpers. Uh, his shot has obviously improved. His form has improved. Uh, he's improving a little bit at the free throw line. But uh, a lot of people will dispute this. I think the worst thing that can happen for Lonzo Ball is his first three pointer go in, because once that first three pointer goes in and he starts feeling himself, he starts to settle from the three-point line quite a bit last night uh is a pretty good representation seven three-point attempts only five two-point attempts so he's really really beginning to settle as a pelican for that three-point shot and we really want him breaking down defenses creating easy opportunities for his teammates last night he did have nine assists but he also had a really high usage rate so you want more of that aggressive lonzo ball but his shot does look better he is shooting better from deep um ever since Derek favors has been back his field goal percentage has gone up uh many of you might remember that he was benched for a large of the season. I think it was early in December and Kenrich Williams was inserted into the starting lineup because they were so bad both defensively and offensively and Lonzo Ball was a large culprit of that. 
uh, his plus minus was was off the chart in a negative fashion, but he has been a lot better as of late. He's been looking comfortable. Last night, you saw a bit more of the bad Lonzo, even though you do have your triple double, 10 points, 13 rebounds, nine assists. He did have those four turnovers. And like I said, the team as a whole was just very, very bad defensively. You did have that very exciting chase down block early in the game. Uh, I put that up on the bird rights and it actually went trending. I think a dime uh, picked it up. Dime up rocks picked it up. Um, Pro City Sports or something picked it up. So that that was a fun moment for Lonzo Ball fans. But pretty much, I, I don't want to be too critical of him last night because everybody uh, played pretty poorly last night. But as of late, in the past two weeks or so, we have seen that confident, that assertive Lonzo Ball, that guy who is breaking down the defense, getting easy shots for his teammates. And we didn't see as much of that last night as we would have liked. And I definitely don't want to be the guy to say that it was the Celtics defense that caused that sort of bad night for any of the Pelicans players because in my eyes, the Celtics defense was actually quite lax. There were times when Jackson Hayes, I thought, was just left on an island on his own, which I think Lonzo Ball probably got five of his assists just because of that. It was um, it was definitely tired legs. The Celtics had had a day or two rest and the Celtics are going through similar scheduling issues. So... As a fan to fan, I can kind of see where you're coming from with these three night, three games in four nights, sort of back to back night off game. It's um, it's frustrating, especially when you're going up against a team you feel you could actually match up quite well with. I bet you. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. It would have been a much more entertaining game if we had our, our full roster of horses. We would have loved to see uh, how Jason Tatum would have performed had Derek Favors been back there because he he got so comfortable or he was able to get so comfortable early because he did have just such a clear uh, open lane to the cup. Jackson Hayes couldn't slow him down. Jaleel Okafor couldn't slow him down. Uh, Brandon Ingram had a couple of missed assignments that got Jason Tatum an open look at the floor. And you would have liked to see how that would have all played out differently if you did have your defensive anchor back there or if you did have have a Drew Holiday to switch on to Jason Tatum. Uh, maybe if Tatum's still able to operate in that pick and roll, you've got a dog defender like Drew Holiday who's able to fight through screens a bit more effectively than a guy like Etwan Moore would. Uh, so definitely we would have liked to see both of these rosters healthy go head-to-head because the Pelicans have been quite good. They've won eight of their last 11 before last night. Uh, so much improved. They're playing like like a top 10, top 15 team right now when healthy. But they've, they've got a large hole to dig out of. They can't really afford to give away games like this, even if it is a hashtag scheduled loss. Uh, I, I do hope to see these guys uh, with a full slate of healthy guys uh, play again later down. I don't know when our next matchup is, but uh, it's obviously going to be in New Orleans. So I am very much looking forward to how this might play out differently. So when we see you in New Orleans, the one major difference could be, and there was, I think there was speak of this during after the game between some of the actual media, Zion could be on the court. Zion could be fit to play by that point. Are you expecting to see him before the end of the year, or are you in the camp where you think it'll be, we'll see Zion next year when he's fully healthy and got another preseason under his belt? 
So you guys are right in the eye of the storm. It's going to be January 26th is when we face off with the Celtics. And Alvin Gentry uh, gave us a nugget last night. He said, although everybody can see that Zion Williamson looks perfectly healthy, they don't want to throw him out on the floor until he's able to go through a full contact five-on-five practice with the rest of the roster. Now, there's only two opportunities uh, for that coming up before the All-Star break. It's going to come uh, on January 15th before they host the Utah Jazz on the 16th. And then the next opportunity is not going to be until the end of the month, January. 30th before they host the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, Is that right? That is right. So those are going to be your two main opportunities to get a look at whether or not Zion's going to return before the February uh, trade deadline. I'm thinking that one practice might not be enough unless he just thoroughly dominates everyone. But there, there is a possibility of that. We saw how good he was in the preseason. We, we see um, his dunk line before every game, uh, just giving the fans a preview of what he's going to be able to do when he's back. So we play the Pistons tomorrow. And then I think Wednesday and Thursday they have off. So there will be a practice in there at some point. So that would be your window. If he practices and if he performs well, you'll see him against the Utah Jazz on January 16th. And that gives you a pretty good indicator that the Celtics will probably see him on the 26th because they have a day off before that. It's not a back-to-back situation. So there's no reason he should be sitting. It should be a minutes restriction. Alvin Gentry's been really clear on that. They're going to progress him slowly. I think he's probably going to play 15 to 20 minutes, probably his first two to three weeks back. And then after the All-Star break, they might ramp him up to 25 minutes. And that's probably all we'll see of them this year. I don't think we'll see him play 30 minutes too often unless they're in the you know, thick of a playoff race come early April. But there is, I, I would call it 50-50 right now. If he plays at the Jazz on the 16th, I would think the Boston Celtics would uh, see him on the 26th. If he does not play against the Jazz, then you're probably not going to see him until the end of the month against the Grizzlies. Do you think he's going to be a difference maker for you guys? I mean, his size and his speed and his dunking ability really make him a nightmare, a nightmare for guys to match up with. As a Celtics fan, I don't, I'm hoping he doesn't play just because of the matchup issues that he'd cause. Yeah, offensively, nobody's going to be able to stop him. Um, I encourage you guys, if you haven't already, uh, go ahead and look at some of his game tape from this preseason. Uh, He's able to break down defenses. Everybody's going to consider him a spacing issue, uh, especially when you've got, you know, Lonzo Ball on the floor. Although Lonzo, like we all said, I think he's shooting 38% from three when he's not relying on a step back. So when he's just spotting up. Uh, So he has been quite good. Brandon Ingram, of course, has been quite good. JJ Reddick's going to fill up from deep. So he's not going to kill you. But spacing... Is, is a bit different than you might think. Zion Williamson does not have to shoot three-pointers to space the floor because if you give him a step, he can blow by anybody. If you look at game tape of him blowing by Rudy Gobert uh, this offseason, he wasn't able to stop him. Zion is... I don't want to use the term ballerina, but he is so flexible and versatile with the way he can contort his body once he gets in the air. He can move around simply anybody. He prefers to finish with his left hand, but he is capable of finishing with his right hand. He's got excellent touch with both hands. He can curl at home uh, from either side of the glass. So offensively, he is explosive. He's probably going to score 20 points every night if he gets enough time on the court. Defensively is where he's going to struggle. We've already seen him struggle. He's going he's gonna to over-pursue. He's going to make mistakes. Uh, he's going to miss assignments. So as exciting as it will be to have him on the court, 
I'm not entirely sure how much better he makes the Pelicans uh, right now. Obviously, over time, as he gets more comfortable, he's, he's probably going to be a star in this league. But as long as the Pelicans have Derek Favors, they've got Brandon Ingram, they've got some combination of Drew Holiday, J.J. Redick, Josh Hart on the floor, Lonzo Ball spelling them. Uh, th- these Pelicans are going to be a tough out for anybody. And once you get Zion out there, where he's really going to be most productive for the Pelicans is in clutch situations to finish games. They've really struggled offensively. Their offensive rating is somewhere around like 85 in those critical moments. Those are when your teams are within five points in the final five minutes of a game. The Pelicans just simply fail to execute uh, during those times, and that's where Zion's going to be able to get them get them to the free throw line. He's going to be able to break down defense, defenses. He's going to get the benefit of those those whistles that Drew Holiday doesn't necessarily always get. So that's where he's going to be a huge advantage for the Pelicans in those late-game situations. But throughout the game, I think he's going to struggle as any rookie will. So I'm not sure how much better he's going to make the Pelicans through those 46 to 43 minutes of a game. Uh, really, it's, it's, it's funny to say this because you don't really think of him as an all-star level player. But Derek Favors has been making an all-star, all-star level impact for the Pelicans. He's quite simply been their MVP. They're eight and four with him. They're six and twenty-two without him. I already mentioned the defensive rating when he's on the floor. So who the Pelicans really need to be healthy this season for every game they can't afford for him to miss any more time is Derek Favors. Yeah, he was um he was really really good against the Knicks. I, I do believe that with him on the floor, as you've said. Your your defensive rating jumps up. Your offensive rating jumps up. He's a big guy. He's a vet on a team of young heads that's really going to steady that shit for you. For as long as he's not on the court, then you're relying on guys like Lonzo and Brandon Ingram and to a lesser extent, JJ Reddit to kind of guide the team, which is always difficult with the added pressure. We saw that happen to those two guys out in LA and it wasn't, it was a great learning experience for them, but it wasn't very beneficial probably to their careers at such a young age. So Derek Favors is going to be a huge impact when he comes back. I'm I'm hoping he's having a bit of a sleepy game against the Celtics later in January. Justin, are you scared of coming up against Derek Favors? I am actually. And Peyton, is he, what's the timetable on his injury? What are we looking at for him? Uh, Do you think 50, he'll be able to play uh, in the Celtics game when they see them next? I hope so. Whenever he went down, uh, he was questionable to return. So right now they're listing him as day-to-day. Uh, so they're giving him some veteran rest. They haven't really pushed anybody onto the floor this season. Uh, Derek Favors missed a large chunk of uh, the season earlier. Um, and whenever he has played, typically they've kept him around 20 to 25 minutes. So they've been super patient with everybody this season, almost at an alarming rate because you'd really like to see them rattle off a few more wins. They're now 10 games below 500. And they've got a lot of catching up to do, uh, not only if they want the eighth spot for a chance at the Lakers in the first round, but obviously you'd like to avoid the Lakers if possible. You'd want to get yourself closer to that sixth or that fifth seed. And in order for the Pelicans to do that right now, they'd have to make up somewhere near to eight games. It, it looks like a tall task. So you don't want the Pelicans really uh, mailing in any more of these games. So I would hope they would push him back to the floor. The Pelicans could definitely use him against the Detroit Pistons. This is a game they should win. Uh, Blake Griffin's not going to play. Obviously, he's out for the season. Andre Drummond's on trade watch. So, you know, who knows? Maybe Andre Drummond gets traded before the game, although they haven't been very good with him on the floor anyway. So that's a game that they should win, but you definitely want to have your your full slot of veterans out there in order to secure this one. And then, of course, you've got the Jazz on the 16th. And without Derek Favors, I I don't think they have much of a chance in that one. And then you've got the Clippers after that. So you definitely hope that he'll be back uh, for the Celtics, and I would expect him to be. 
So Preston, I can see that um, we did speak before that you only had 20 minutes. So I don't want to keep you much longer just because obviously you've got a day that you need to get started. It's, um, I'm assuming you've got nice weather as well, but being where you're based, so you get to go out and enjoy some sunshine. Oh yeah, it's beautiful over here. And I actually, I work nights. So I actually have to go to work in about 45 minutes and I got dogs, got to take out the dogs. I, I know that this is the, the type of basketball coverage that your listeners are all, are all hoping to hear. What's Preston got to do with his day? So here you guys go. Uh, I've, I've got to take the dogs out. Uh, we've got painters and carpenters coming over because my wife and I uh, just moved into our house a few weeks ago and we've got a baby on the way about two months away. So I am assembling a baby crib. I'm painting the baby room. Uh, we're getting a bunch of gifts um, from our kind friends and relatives. So I'm putting those all out so that when the baby does come, uh, that everything is ready. My wife is in what you may know as the nesting period. So she is very impatient with everything coming together right now. She's just entered her third trimester and she's working really hard. So I'm trying on my end to make life as easy for her uh, when she gets home as I possibly can. Congratulations on the baby, man. Is this your first one? This is the first one, and uh, my wife and I are, are getting up there. Uh, she'll be 36 in June. I'm 36, so this might be our only one, but we, we are at a point in our life where we're hoping for a second one, but, but you just never know, but super excited. We're keeping the gender uh, a secret, so it'll be a surprise to both of us, which I'm really excited about. I'm really worried that somebody's going to slip up and, and uh, spoil the ending for me, but as of right now, I don't know what it is, and I'm really excited about it. Believe me when I say one's enough. <laughs> that's, that's where I'm leaning. My, my uh, wife is very close with her sister. So she obviously wants to give him or her a playmate, but I would be perfectly content with one. We have so many pets. We have three pets in the house right now. We're probably going to add another one at some point. Yeah. I had my daughter's, um, she's nine now and she's been asking for a sibling for about four years in that time. The amount of pets in my household has increased exponentially. <laughs> uh, what do you have in your house? We got a dog, uh, then we had another dog, then we had a bird, then we had a hamster. Uh, <laughs> every time, and now um, I'm running out of space to keep animals. So I'm at the point now where I'm like, you're just not having a sibling. I've been putting it off for long enough. Yeah, that's fair, man. Uh, and, and you never know, because I have a brother and a sister. I love them very much, but we don't, we don't keep in touch very often. We're, we're all very, very busy. Um, so I, I could see the argument for both. Um, but since you get to make this decision, I think you should do what's best for you. <laughs> yeah i mean uh, <laughs> you, uh, you just kind of need to put your foot down i mean no honestly we, uh, one's great two's probably going to be a lot better uh congratulations you're gonna have a great few months once you get past the initial like oh we've got to keep this little person alive once you get past that it's going to be fantastic dude I can't wait. I can't wait for a couple of weeks off of work. I'm sure you guys, if you're doing a podcast, you probably work entirely harder than you need to just in your normal everyday life. So it'll be nice to force myself not to do anything for a few weeks. Oh yeah. You're going to have a great time. Imagine the amount of basketball you're going to get to watch. For me, because of the time difference, I was jumping at the chance to do the night feed just because it meant I could stay up and watch the games. And uh, the amount of basketball I consumed during the first probably four to eight weeks of after she'd been born was ridiculous. Yeah, I don't know how it's going to work out because I've kind of been the, the night maid that takes care of all the, the animal, uh, any, anything the animals need late at night. I'm usually the one that bounces up and takes care of them. But in this situation, obviously, my wife's going to have to feed him or her, so she's going to be the one on night duty, and I'm just preparing myself for a very cranky wife over the next few months. Oh, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Just keep wa let, keep watching the Pelicans as they win. Just get them more and more into the Pelicans so our emotions <laughs> go with the team and uh, like the rest of us and you'll be fine. 
So, I think uh, I'd like to to spare uh, any loved ones from watching the Pelicans as much as I can. It's watching the Pelicans and watching the New Orleans Saints, if you're any football fans uh, out there, uh, has has been. A, we've had a difficult couple of seasons. Yeah, it's been a bit tough for you guys. I'm not a football guy. I'm trying really hard to get into it, but it's just not working for me at the moment. A lot of unfortunate luck for the Saints. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I made a joke on the bird rights handle last night. Uh, Alonzo Ball had a had a full court pass with three Celtics around whoever it was intended for, uh, and I made a joke that that got me some kickback about uh, Drew Brees sitting Alonzo Ball down and saying, "Okay, here's what you do, mate: is you throw it deep as soon as your intended target is surrounded by three or more players. I promise you, it's going to work out for you." <laughs> <laughs> So uh, we're going to leave it on that joke. And um, I'd like to say thank you for coming on, Preston. It's been great. Uh, Congratulations with the baby. I'll I'll probably reach out to you again just to get your thoughts after the two teams have collided down in New Orleans as well. Yeah, we should get a much more competitive affair because the Pelicans are about at their limit for how many of these games they they can afford to give up. So, And their schedule does get markedly easier. They've got the 25th easiest remaining strength of schedule. So hopefully you'll meet a different Pelicans team on the 26th. Hopefully. I'm I'm all for competitive games. It keeps the game interesting. When the game's over by the third quarter, it's kind of a tough (laughs) watch for the last, last 12 minutes. So thank you for coming on, dude. Guys, if you're listening and you like what Preston's had to say, check him out over at Bleacher Report and at the Bird Rights of SB Nation. And we'll catch you again later in the week. Thanks again, Preston. Sounds good. Thanks, mate.